Mia Culpa is coming live to Los Angeles Tuesday, November 1st. Michael's guests will include the Emmy Award-winning comedian Kathy Griffin, former Deputy Attorney General and Talking Feds host Harry Lippman, and the former Oath Keepers National Spokesman Jason Van Tatenhove. It's an evening that you won't forget. VIP tickets include a signed copy of Michael's new book and a meet-and-greet with Michael before the show. So get your tickets now at thelray.com, T-H-E-E-L-R-E-Y.com. Or find the link on Michael's social media handles or in this episode's description. And now, on with the show. This is my This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Last week was a doozy, folks. There was some vague justice for the families of mass shooting victims. The Parkland killer got life in prison without parole. And the Sandy Hook families, tortured by Alex Jones, won a settlement of nearly a billion dollars. Kroger and Albertsons food chains merged. The stock market was a roller coaster. And we found out just what a fucking bitch Roger Stone really is when he was caught on tape after being denied a second pardon by the president. Jared Kushner has an IQ of 70. He's coming to Miami. We will eject him from Miami very quickly. He'll be leaving very quick, very quickly, very quickly. He has 100 security guards. I'll have 5,000 security guards. You want to fight? Let's fight. Fuck you. Fuck you and your abortionist bitch. But no one had as bad a week as Trump. Why? Because legally speaking, the Mandarin Mussolini went through some things, I mean, some very bad things. But the pain he's feeling now will only get worse from here. Cause you had a bad day, you take one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. So Wednesday, a witness came forward in the Mar-a-Lardo stolen documents case telling the FBI that Trump instructed him to move boxes of documents out of a storage area and into Trump's private residence. I mean, seriously, where else? And this was after the Department of Justice had issued a subpoena for the return of all their documents, not just the ones Donald wanted to give them back. The witness, a former Navy vet and Trump valet, caved under pressure the second time he was interviewed by the FBI. But his testimony has been corroborated by security camera footage. So, no wiggle room there. It's a clear case of obstruction now. And certainly not good news for Trump or his lawyer, Christina Bob. I have no idea who she is. Uh, what she did is it's terrible. What's going on? So it's a total false accusation, and I don't know anything about her. Also on Wednesday, a Manhattan federal court judge ruled that Trump will have to answer questions under oath in a defamation lawsuit lodged by writer E. Jean Carroll. Carroll has credibly accused Trump of raping her in a dressing room at Bergdorf Goodman sometime before he became president. Now, of course, Trump said she was totally lying and that he couldn't have raped her because she was not his type. So Ms. Carroll rightly countered with a defamation lawsuit. But the judge also rejected Trump's request to replace him with the United States government. Why? On the grounds that the alleged defamation happened when he was president. 
The judge could have cared less, and this ruling sets the stage for Trump to be deposed by Carroll's attorneys on October 19th. A federal appeals court in D.C. is deciding now if that case will actually be heard. He pushed me, held me with the shoulder, and I was wearing a, a coat dress and tights, and he pulled down the tights. Given the prior accusations, which have all been of forms of assault or harassment, um, you're saying there was actual penetration? Yes. Did you, which is, puts it into a different category of any of these other, any of the other act, uh, women who have come forward. Um, I think technically, I mean, that, that is, that is the definition of, of rape. One definition. That's the definition. There's more. Remember in late September, when New York Attorney General Tish James accused the Trump Organization of fraud? She's also seeking to shut down his business in New York State altogether. But just days before the lawsuit was filed, Trump formed the not-so-cleverly-named Trump Organization II in Delaware. I'm sure his plan was to funnel the assets from his old company into the new one. But Miss James wasn't having any of that shit. So last Thursday, she requested that a judge prohibit the Trump Organization from transferring its assets without court approval, saying Mr. Trump was seeking an end run around some of her lawsuit's harshest potential punishments. And guess what? She isn't wrong, but Trump's bad day was just getting started. This was a resounding defeat, Tom, for Donald Trump and his lawyers. Not unexpected, something many legal experts predicted, but nonetheless, not a single Supreme Court justice found any reason to dissent from this uh, decision that the Supreme Court is de was denying Donald Trump's appeal here. And so they're letting stand a, d a decision by the 11th Circuit, the appeals court, including by two, appoint two Trump appointed judges on that court, um, that the classified documents seized at Mar-a-Lago have no business being reviewed by a special master and that the FBI should be able to use those documents in their investigation. The United States Supreme Court kicked Trump in the nuts when it rejected his special master case with a single dismissive line, just minutes before the January 6th committee voted to subpoena the former president to testify before the House. But our duty today is to our country and our children and our constitution. We are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. Hello, talk about laying out the bait. Chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson said, Trump tried to replace the will of the people with his will to be in power. So they have an obligation to seek his testimony. Trump is damned if he testifies and damned if he doesn't. But the lore of a national spotlight is definitely the sort of trap that Donald might fall into. There was an attack carried out on January 6th and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that. I've got to congratulate the January 6th committee. They did an exceptional job of laying out a clear and definitive case against the former president and his cronies. They put the insurrection squarely on the former president's back. So let's briefly recap the president's attempted coup as told to us by the January 6th committee. The political scientists tell us that authoritarian parties have two essential features in common. 
in history and around the world. They do not accept the results of democratic elections when they lose, and they embrace political violence as legitimate. So first of all, Trump knew that he lost, and it enraged the shit out of him, and worse, it embarrassed him. But his strategy to stay in power started long before the election. The first draft of a speech claiming that he won was emailed on October 31st of 2020. And then he declared victory early on election night as part of the strategy. He also asked for votes to stop being counted before the final returns were called. Despite all, Trump fucking lost to Joe Biden by over 7 million votes. Goodness won! That's who won! Goodness! Not Biden! Goodness! Oh! Amazing! Best day of my life! Come here! I cried, I screamed, I celebrated. Best way to conclude 2020. I believe the whole country just took a sigh of relief. And then Trump took his case to court. He lost 61 out of 62 lawsuits. I mean, really, 61 out of 62. He launched a pressure campaign to get states like Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin to flip for him. But they didn't. He then pressured the DOJ to say there was voter fraud. And I quote, call it corrupt and leave the rest to me and the congressman. Well, guess what, Donald? They didn't. So what did he do? Trump tried again to get the generals in the army to remove voting machines. But guess what? They wouldn't do it either. Trump first went to the Justice Department, but then Attorney General Bill Barr refused, according to sources familiar with Trump's demand. Next, he turned to the Department of Homeland Security. ABC News has confirmed a New York Times report that Trump instructed Rudy Giuliani to talk to a top DHS official about it. Top Trump aide Johnny McEntee personally called the acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. The president is upset, McEntee told Wolf. He doesn't understand why you haven't gotten control of the voting machines. Wolf told him he did not have the authority to take machines owned by the states. Trump also considered an executive order allowing the Pentagon to use military forces to seize voting machines. The DOJ then threatened to quit in mass when Trump tried to replace the acting head of the DOJ, Jeffrey Rosen, with environmental lawyer Jeffrey Clark. Then the Eastman plan was enacted and the pressure campaign on Vice President Pence to not certify Biden on the 6th ramped up. Fake electors went into action, and the fake electors were also rejected. And now, Pence was on the fence. So, Trump called in the mob, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and others to violently overtake the Capitol. He was right. It was wild. A warning. What happens next is graphic. It's 2.44 p.m., and behind the door, a police officer draws his handgun. There's a gun! There's a gun! Babbitt vaults into the window, and the officer shoots her once. It's a fatal wound through the upper chest. In the days leading up to the 6th, intelligence agencies knew of the coming crisis, but either ignored or downplayed its significance. Former Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller told the National Guard they are not allowed to wear helmets, armor, or carry weapons. 
they were also told not to arrest any protesters on the 6th. Yeah, I'd like to know a good goddamn reason why it's been denied. Then Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer shouting at Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy after hearing a rumor Trump blocked the National Guard going to the Capitol. Please move. It's, it, the whole Capitol is rampage. There's a picture of someone sitting in this chair of the Senate. We've all been evacuated. There's been shots fired. We need a full National Guard component now. We know about the war room at the Willard Hotel on the eve of the insurrection, and that on the 6th, during speeches on the Ellipse, Trump was given intelligence reports saying that armed people in the crowd wouldn't pass through metal detectors. But Trump wasn't afraid. They were his people, according to him. Just wait for his signal. We now know that Roger Stone pouted because they wouldn't let him speak on the ellipse, and that it was John Eastman and Rudy Colludi Giuliani's last day in the sun before becoming disgraced forever. The Proud Boys were casing the Capitol as the president spoke, and afterwards, the president's efforts to join them were thwarted by Secret Service and then Capitol Police because it was impossible to secure the area. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could... Change. 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 Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This is my mom. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Rioters then stormed the Capitol, and then all hell fucking broke loose when Trump tweeted that Pence let them down. A gallow was erected, and Trump watched all this shit unfold on TV. And what did he do? Absolutely nothing to stop it. We just heard that Mike Pence is not going to reject any fraudulent electoral votes. That's right. You heard it here first. Mike Pence has betrayed the United States of America. Well, Pence held his ground and didn't get into a car meant to whisk him away. Pelosi and Schumer worked the phones from a secure location two miles away. They coordinated with Pence and various governors and mayors to bring in troops. The insurrection was then put down, but people died. But the Capitol was then secured, and Congress resumed and confirmed Joe Biden as the 46th President of the United States. And the rest, as they say, is history. Not the end of the coup, the coup is still ongoing, but it was the end of the bloody and treasonous insurrection of January 6th. No, 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 please answer my question. Answer my question. Senator, Senator, I'm gonna do everything I can do. Does that include asking the president to get these people who are followers of ours to leave the Capitol? Finally, word coming from Pence that it was safe to return. I'm literally standing with uh, the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, and he just informed me their best information is that they believe that the House and the Senate will be able uh, to reconvene in roughly an hour. Uh, Good news. In a statement released after the hearings, the former president doubled down on his claims. I mean, that's what he does. He doubles down. In all caps, he wrote to Chairman Thompson, the presidential election of 2020 was rigged and stolen. And of course, all in caps. 
But it wasn't. But more than half the Republicans running for office in 2022 have signed on to Trump's lies about the election. And now it appears that even Pence has sided with election deniers. Everything is different, but nothing has changed. The job of the Congressional Committee is to make a recommendation to the DOJ. So it is now up to Merrick Garland to indict. But with so much evidence so beautifully presented, we all know where this is going. The question now is whether or not Trump will make a last stand and testify before the American people. Constitutional democracy is the silver frame, as Lincoln put it, upon which the golden apple of freedom rests. We need to defend both our democracy and our freedom with everything we have and declare that this American carnage ends here and now. And now for the main event. Today we welcome to our show David Pakman. Pakman is an exceptionally popular progressive talk show host and political commentator. He is the host of the YouTube Twitch talk radio program, The David Pakman Show. Pakman has appeared on Fox News, CNN, and Nancy Grace program, Dr. Drew on call, and the Joe Rogan Experience. He's also been featured in Mother Jones, the Boston Herald, the New York Times, and Wired Magazine. You think this is going to be a great conversation? I know it is, so let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so David, you tweeted that Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, has now hired a lawyer and is willing to cooperate with the DOJ. She was the one that was defending Trump having the documents that he declassified, remember, telepathically, which were planted, of course, by the FBI. What do you make of it? Has Bob jumped off the Trump train? What's going on here? Give me your perspective. It's just a desperate attempt at self-preservation. You know, uh, it's now been reported by The Washington Post that uh, Donald Trump asked one of his other lawyers, hey, can you just sign off on this thing saying we we gave back all the documents? And uh, that lawyer said, no, I'm not going to do that, in part because he presumably didn't believe that they had given back all the documents. Christina Bob did go along with that. It seems as though at least to some degree she regrets it. She is now lawyered up. And this is I mean, listen, you know, as well as anybody, the pattern, right? This is the pattern that's been going on for five, six years at least that we know about in the sort of po public political life of Trump. And who knows what her future as a lawyer is at this point? Listen, she could end up like what happened to me. She could easily end up, you know, losing um, her license. Um, and the funny thing is, is that Trump wouldn't give a rat's ass. I mean, that's really the crazy thing. It's, it's so reminiscent for me seeing what's happening and I just wish people like Christina Bob and even Evan um, Corcoran, right, two attorneys that were involved with Trump are now lawyering up. And I wish they would have listened to my House testimony when I said to Mark Meadows, who's going to have to lawyer up himself to now, or Jim Jordan or the rest of the Republicans, I know what you're doing, right? I, too, was once in this cult of Donald J. Trump. Nothing good comes out of it. Look at what happened to me. And if you want to avoid that same shit, step away. I mean, because now, like Christina Bob, she brought in a former prosecutor, an attorney by the name of John Lauro. And 
they made it known that, you know, she's willing to cooperate and to be interviewed by the Justice Department. Here's the reason why. What choice does she have? She signed a document that stated something wrong, that there were no more documents at Mar-a-Lardo, right? And that this fucking fat ass, you know, had turned everything back. Why she did it, I know the answer. She did it because he told her to do it. And she had the right to believe in what he was saying. Nevertheless, she signed it, not him. And that's another thing. He probably turned around and said, you know what, you just go ahead and sign it. And when you're around him, for some unknown reason, people fall into that same trap, the same trap that I did. Hey, Michael, you know, take care of this with Stormy Daniels. Go do a, an NDA, right, and, um, you know, pay her because it can't come from me, and then I'll pay you back. You know, after, uh, okay, all right, boss, what else do you want me to say? But look, what we know is that the response was incomplete, and... They now have a potential violation against her that may, unfortunately, and I say this legitimately, I feel for her. It may not only just cost her her license, it could potentially cost her her freedom. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing that's happening now with the lawyers that kind of has been the thing with the, with the voters all along. And what I mean by that is the constituency that became Trump's base are people that, let's be honest, Trump, as a rich guy from New York City, spent most of his life wanting to be kept isolated from exactly the folks he ended up depending on for support. And to the extent that they were useful because they could vote for him or to the extent that they were useful because they could donate money, it's all great. It's all fun. He goes to the rallies and says how great everybody is. But the truth is that Trump only has friends and and people he likes for as long as they're useful to him. And we see that as soon as anybody prominent says, hey, you know what? Actually, this thing he said isn't true, whether it's William Barr or John Bolton or whoever, or the voters who say, I'm kind of done with the donations and I'm done with the support. He doesn't care. He turns on them. And that's what's happening with the lawyers now. Well, that's because they're not friends. And I want to be no. very clear to my listeners and, you know, and to you as well. Donald Trump has no friends. So when he turns around and he says, I just spoke to a friend. Right. Who's telling me that's a, that's how you know it's a lie. He has no friends. What's interesting is if you look at all of the stuff that's been written about Donald over the last 50 years, you know what you don't see? Old girlfriends coming out from high school, junior high school, right? College, whatever. And saying, oh, yeah, I dated Donald Trump. He's a different Donald Trump today than he was back then. You don't hear that. Or you turn around and you say, yeah, you know, Donald and I were friends since the age of 10. I mean, he's a fucking New Yorker. He lived in Queens, right? Where are all of these friends? Where are the people that will come out and say, you know, Donald was a quiet, shy kid, you know, and blah, 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 and his father was abusive and blah, blah, blah. You don't see any of that. Again, why? Because he has no friends, which makes it so easy for him to throw these folks under the bus. Just so easy. Yeah, it sounds like if the story starts with someone came to me and said, sir, that story's a lie. And then if hmm. it's, I was recently speaking to a friend, that story's also probably a lie. Yeah, no, not probably, it's a matter of fact. I mean, it's an, abs <laughs> it's an absolute lie. So let me ask you this then, David, because 
I saw one of your shows recently that featured Trump, as we just said, lying at his rallies. And a bunch of other candidates just lying through their teeth as well. I mean, look at what we just saw with Herschel Walker. His own kid comes out and says, you were an abusive fucking father. You have four kids from four different mamas, right? And you don't take care of any of them. On top of that, the, of course, the, pro, you know, the pro-abortion candidate paid for an abortion himself. And now, of course, everybody's quiet and he's claiming it's not true, despite the fact that they have all the receipts, including a testimony from the young lady who underwent the procedure. But how do we combat politicians from lying and getting away with it? Seriously, no one is holding them accountable. It should make a difference or maybe not. I don't know. If, if the voters don't care, what can you do? And this is really the problem, because in the 48 hours after the Herschel uh, Walker story broke, you had uh, right wing radio host Dana Lo- Lesh Loesch come out and say, you know, quite frankly, I don't care who he pays to have an abortion. We need control of the Senate. And then you had this Republican strategist, Alice Stewart, come out and say, well, listen, you know, there are more important things all of a sudden. And the truth is there's there's two possibilities on the abortion thing. And then we'll zoom out about whether the lies matter. One is they really do believe abortion is murder, as they sometimes say. They just don't care if it's inconvenient because they need a Senate seat like that. That's one possibility. The other possibility is they don't actually think abortion is murder. It's just something they say because they think it'll help them raise money. And when the voters react and and it was written on the wall, Michael, how the Republican voters in Georgia would react. First of all, many of them wouldn't even hear of the story. They just they just wouldn't even hear about the Herschel Walker story. Some of them would hear about the story and they would say it's fake news. It's not true. And there's a fair share of that going on. And then the third group would hear about it and say, well, it's still better than voting for a Democrat, Raphael Warnock. And then there's that group as well. It's totally predictable. And if the voters don't care, I don't know what can be done for people to care about the truth. Well, (laughs) we can't just sit back and ignore the truth simply because that's what they want. I mean, let's go back and let us look at Herschel Walker. I don't care if a voter turns around and says, listen, Herschel Walker is a football legend, right? Football legend. I'd like to see a football legend is a member of Congress. Okay, that's your right. It's your prerogative. You could vote for whoever the fuck you want to vote. I don't care, but it should be based upon a legitimate reason. So, you know, the fact that you want to say, look, I'm a Republican, I only vote Republican, and I would never vote anything other than Republican. I could respect that as well. But don't sit there and tell me that I'm voting for Herschel Walker because he is a, you know, a pro-abortion uh, candidate. Um When there's receipts, when the woman who had the procedure is telling you he paid for my abortion. I mean, you know, if that's what you're standing on, that's a real problem because it it says something about an individual that wants to listen to fake news, wants to accept fake news as reality, believing that 
The more people who turn around and say Herschel Walker is is pro-abortion, he's not for you know for women's rights. He's absolutely opposed to and has always been opposed to the Roe decision. It's just not true. So if you're willing to cast a vote for someone who's lying to your face day one before he's even in Congress, what do you think's going to happen once he's in Congress? Of course, and it reminds me of when. At age 68, Trump said, I had an awakening and now I'm against abortion. And it was, of course, completely contrived in order to justify becoming the Republican nominee because the Democratic voters never would have would have selected him. And the story he told was something along the lines of I was pro choice my 68 years on this planet, but I just met a woman who had a kid I liked. And the woman said, I once thought about an abortion and I'm glad I didn't. And Trump said that kid was so cool that I became completely anti abortion. It's just not credible. But when the voters want to believe that and they want to basically get the OK to vote for this guy, they'll believe whatever you tell them. Yeah, agreed. But what what is so troubling about someone like Herschel Walker, who I think is a fucking disgrace in a half, when yeah. he claims that he is 100% wants to completely ban abortion and then goes on right. to liken it to murder and claiming that there should be absolutely no exception for rape, incest, or even life of the mother. You know, the fact that there could even be a female, a female in the state of Georgia that would cast a vote for him after saying something like that is to me so reprehensible that I can't believe that there are still women in Georgia and you see them on television, you've seen them on your show, right, in the clips, where they turn around and they say, no, I don't care, you know, um, I don't believe what they're saying and I'm voting for Herschel Walker no matter what. This is not normal to say, even if it's going to cost the mother her life, serious rape, incest, there's something well, this fundamentally wrong issue. with him. Yeah, yeah. And this goes to a bigger issue. And, you know, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, they did these polls where they asked Republicans, do you believe that Trump actually won and it was stolen from Joe Biden? You know, the whole story. And, and something like 60 percent of Republicans said, yes, I believe that. Some of those people, I'm sure, really do believe that it was stolen. And I've interviewed some of them. And I think that they're genuine in their belief. But there are some who fundamentally see this as a battle of good and evil, and they see saying, yeah, Trump actually won as the way that they demonstrate their commitment to the team. It's how you show that you're on the right side and it doesn't matter whether you believe it to be true or not. So similarly, some of the people now saying the Herschel Walker story is fake news or whatever the case may be. I don't even think some of them believe it. I think some of them realize it's what you're supposed to show. It's what you're supposed to say to show loyalty to the team. Yeah, well, I mean, that's some that's some basis for loyalty, right? I mean, the hypocrisy of the whole thing. And then, of course, you know, the uh, campaign's lawyer, I think uh, this guy named Bob Ingram, something like that comes out. And he says, this is a false story, you know, um, yeah. and it's based upon anonymous sources. You know, is it really based on anonymous sources? <laughs> what they did, and Herschel knows exactly who the female is that he had the uh, 
relationship with. And at the time, he wasn't even married. So it's not as if he was cheating on his wife like somebody else that we know, right, who got mm-hmm. their pecker, you know, their mushroom pecker pulled by a porn star. It was, <laughs> it was in 2009. And you know, he was like, yeah, it's just not convenient. You should really get rid of the child. Yeah. At least lie like Trump lies. At least turn around and say something like, you know, I've I've changed. I've morphed into what I consider a better person. I don't believe that a child should be extinguished who has no rights. You know, it's all based upon, you know, the uh, the the woman and the man, um, you know, to decide and blah, 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 whatever else he wants to say. I would have more respect for him if he at least made up a bullshit lie that's somewhat legitimate, you know, to say there are people who change, you know, people grow all the time. And maybe, you know, before you were um, anti-gun, you know, now you're pro. Um, I mean, whatever your, you know, whatever your belief system is, that's okay. But don't turn and say the story's a lie. Don't disrespect the woman who you knocked up in 2009, recommended and paid for an abortion, wasn't even there to take care of her post the procedure, right? She had a friend who did it. So that's a real problem. And the fact that he could lie with such impunity, to me, makes him a real danger, you know, in the Senate which is already so, you know, so close and it's so tight. This is not the man who you really want, you know, as a senator. I don't care what state it is. No, by no means. And one other thing on his his uh, reaction, he could have come out of this. I mean, it still would be BS, but he could have put together a statement, something along the lines of, and I'm thinking this up right now. Listen, uh, 13 years ago, I was personally involved in a really complicated situation. But as a matter of policy, I don't believe abortion should be legal federally and it should actually be a decision really left to the states. You you could kind of BS and massage something and come out of that in a way that is a lot more believable than just saying, I don't know if I know the woman and I didn't pay or whatever. But he, of course, he didn't do that. And he could he could have been advised to put together something like that and opted not to. Yeah. My favorite line from Herschel Walker is the fact that he denies this and, and I'm going to quote it the strongest possible terms. Where is that line? Where have you heard that line before? That's a <laughs> Donald Trump line. Right. Do you remember when he turned around and he claimed that Putin said that he did not do it under the strongest possible terms? Right. Yeah. He denied it very strongly. Yes. What does that even mean that you strongly (laughs) deny? How about you just you just deny it. Right. (laughs) And Herschel then comes out with a statement. I'm not taking this anymore. I'm planning to sue the Daily Beast for this defamatory lie. It will be filed tomorrow morning. And those that's an exact quote from Herschel Walker. Did he file yeah. the lawsuit? I assume not. Right. You know why he didn't file the lawsuit? Because it's not defamatory if it's true. Well, that's also true. Plus, there'd be discovery, which uh, would right. ultimately, right? This is the same problem that Trump now has with the CNN lawsuit. He is now right. opening himself up to, to discovery. You cannot, as a plaintiff, now turn around and plead the fifth that you don't want to answer questions, right? I mean, it's not—it's just not how the system works. And then again, just going back to it, 
You may not like Herschel Walker. I certainly don't like Herschel Walker. I'll tell you who else doesn't like him. His own son, Christian, right? Who went apeshit. And good for him standing up, lashing out on Twitter, on social media, anywhere that he could in defense of the Daily Beast article and against his father. I mean, he turns around and he starts... You know, he starts on the whole thing that he was a shit father, he was abusive to the mother, that there's four children, he doesn't see any of them. I mean, really? You're hearing it now from the child. If Don, Ivanka, Eric came out, one of them, and said something negative about their father, especially something like this, oh yeah, we knew that my dad was having an affair. He's been cheating on, you know, on his wife since, you know, we were old enough to remember it. You think people then would turn around and say, you know, kids actually know their father better than anybody, I suspect, right? What, what benefit does Christian Walker have to go against his father other than the fact, and good for him, standing up for truth? Yeah, and the sad or maybe surprising or maybe not surprising thing with the whole Christian Walker thing is for people who may, people might not be familiar with Christian Walker, uh, he, he's a gay man, and the Republicans were tolerating that for as long as Christian Walker was staying on the MAGA message and not saying these things about Herschel Walker. Within minutes, Michael, of Christian Walker saying my dad, uh, you know, we, we were worried, worried he was going to kill us and he was a terrible father, all these different things. I'm done. I'm done. Immediately, these very same Republicans come out with the homophobic comments uh -huh. against Christian Walker. And of course, it's not surprising. It's just another reason why I tell people we saw what the Supreme Court did to Roe. And next is going to be Obergefell, and then it's going to be the next one, and the next one, yep. because the GOP, Donald Trump's GOP, as I say all the time, they're racist, sexist, misogynistic, they're xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, and anti-Semitic to boot. That's the support that this man has. Who the fuck wants to be any of those things? Now, it makes no sense how people could stand back and then just... Permit this. So let me follow up, you know, to the last question, because you speak to people all across the political spectrum. Do you get a sense that the truth is as important to their choices as, say, tribalism or gender politics? Not not even remotely. And unfortunately, there's two cat. There's sort of two camps. There's the people I talk to who know the truth, but ignore it. And then there's the people against whom disinformation has sort of been shot as a weapon at them almost. And they don't even have an idea that they are so deeply misinformed. And I, I kind of go back and forth about which one represents more of a danger when we think about kind of getting back to some semblance of a connection to reality and how people vote. And I don't, I don't really know what the answer is, but these are two groups, each with its own difficulties in reaching. Uh, but maybe maybe the people who know the truth and ignore it are, are arguably worse because they're they're part of perpetuating the problem. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't argue with you on that line. I'm afraid. Personally, I'm afraid of this whole tribalism, this whole inner sanctum of the GOP that is so they're so out of touch 
with the 21st century that I don't even know how to describe their actions, their behavior, their comments. It's as if they want to go back in history a hundred years. Yeah, fuck it. Let's enslave all the people of color again, right? Let's take away women's voting rights. They don't fucking vote. They don't know what they're doing anyway, right? Let's even take away their privilege to drive or, or to work or who knows what. I mean, this is like straight out of a Gilead scenario, right? You can't do this. You can't do that. I don't understand what they think that they're going to. What benefit do they get? By behaving this way, by going after a child, right? A child of the candidate and attacking him because he happens to be gay, right? Who cares? Why does that, why does the fact that he's gay negate the fact that his father is lying to you? I don't get it. It's such a circular, it's such a circular argument that I just can't. I can't stop the circle from rotating so that we can get a coherent, intelligent answer. And the other thing that's sort of disturbing, I guess, is the word I would mention is there's really no traditional conservatism left in the modern Republican Party that gets any attention. Right. I mean, it exists, but those people don't actually get any attention. It's now just it's reactionary politics. It's socially retrograde stuff of wanting to go back to the 50s or even before that, as you're kind of alluding to. Um, And it's just obstruction of anything that Democrats want to do, even if it's quite uncontroversial, like a covid stimulus bill, much like the ones Trump did, or just a basic infrastructure bill that in in, in Europe, even so-called right wing politicians would say, well, no, this we do this. We need Uh, there's not really any of that original conservatism left. It's just extreme reactionary politics. Yeah. I mean, did you see. Ted Cruz attacking, uh, I forget who the, who the guy was, uh, talking to him about the Biden cage, right? Biden cages over at the border, and he took pictures, and look at all these children that Biden has in the Biden cages. How yeah. many are there? And the guy said, first of all, I take offense, and I don't acknowledge the term cages. And then he's, you know, and he just kept going. Do you know... Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, and of course, Truth Social jumped all over this as if Ted Cruz was some bastion of, you know, of excellence on behalf of, you know, the Republican Party. Was it not Donald Trump who actually took these San Salvadorians that put them into cages, separated parents from children Right. And we still have, to my understanding, some of these children here in the United States where they have no idea who the parent is. Could you imagine? You know, I've said this often and I think it's worth repeating. Every parent at some point in time looks down and the kid's not there. They ran away. They're hiding behind something, whatever it is. I don't know why children do it. Right. I think it's to give us a heart attack. But every child somehow does that. Those 10, 15, 30 seconds, there's a feeling of an ultimate panic that only if you've experienced it can you actually understand it. Now picture three years, four years, 
You have no idea if your child is alive or dead. You don't know if they're in a safe environment or they're in a, you know, or in a dangerous environment. You know nothing about that child. Where it is, who it is, you know, what's going on, who they're with. Nothing. Nothing. You, could you imagine the panic and the fear that must be in those parents' hearts simply because Donald wanted to play it up to his base that you try to cross the border with throwing you in cages, separating you from your children, and then he starts with the lies about they're all coyotes, right? They're all, you know, they stole the children, they're smuggling them into America, you know, so that they have family status. You know, this is the bullshit that is so dangerous to American democracy. And the fact that people support Donald still, again, it baffles me. Yeah, it makes makes me glad my daughter can't even crawl yet because I can't even imagine what that that feeling would be like. And years is just unimaginable. And on on the border issue and on the you know kids in cages thing, it's perfectly reasonable to acknowledge that this was a we can call it a program. It did start under Barack Obama. It was dramatically increased under Donald Trump and under the Biden administration. Fortunately, hundreds of those separated families have been reunited. As you're pointing out, it is very difficult in all of these cases to do that. And there are still open cases that are going on now three or four years. But the big lie that's being told about the border is these Republicans who insist and they've been doing it since January by January 25th, 2021. They were already saying it. The border is open. Everything's completely changed from when Trump was president. There have been very minor changes to border policy from Trump to Biden, and there is no open border. Nothing has substantively changed, but they want us to believe that it's just wide open. Come over if you please. And of course, that's not the case. Yeah. And they will continue to lie about it because it riles up the base and it gets support. You know, what's funny is as a goof, I put my name down for Trump as a supporter. And the other day, I've never seen I've never seen this type of a advertisement, promotion, support request, what have you, in four different places. Hey, friend, Don Trump Jr. called on you and asked you for your support. <laughs> Eric yeah. Trump when it called upon you and asked for your support, and then it was like the GOP, the RNC called on you and asked you for your support. And now I'm asking you, right, you know, as the as the president, as the 45th president of the United States, your support now, you know, is desperately needed. And we're going to we're going to match your donation by a thousand percent. Now, I'm shaking my head there and I'm saying to myself, you know, that sounds to me like an FEC violation. (laughs) Because I would like to see it. So if I donate a dollar, you're going to match it with a thousand. Is that is that the way that they're that they're putting it? I mean, it's the way I read it. You know, I don't know. Also, who's doing the matching, right? I mean, who's doing the matching? It does. It doesn't say. And, you know, I suspect that there is no match. I suspect it's another lie. And that, to me, sounds like an FEC violation uh, somewhere yeah. along the line. I mean, they're fundraising off of lies. They're fundraising off of matching lies. Because if that's the case, I would love to see somebody who's really, really rich, really want to fuck them up, donate a million dollars to it. 
and let them. Well, have remember the you in in principle. Now, is this to the is, this is to the pack? Is it so there is yeah. not a the, the limitation? Oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Right, because yeah. if it was actually a campaign, you're limited to what is it, twenty seven hundred dollars or something like that, anyway. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So let me ask you this then, because lots of violence in Republican rhetoric. I mean, there's just a ton of it in the Republican rhetoric at the moment. And famous, of course, for it. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who says Democrats have already started the killings. Trump saying McConnell has a death wish. What do you think <laughs> is the reason for this sort of stupidity, this tough, this bullshit tough talk? I mean, are they gearing up for January 6th, 2.0? And if so, when, right? Do you think it'll be before or after the midterms? I think it will be if and when Trump is indicted. I think if Trump is indicted, the violence that the MAGA people are going to do uh, scares me, scares me very, very much. And with the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, you know, we looked on my show. She told two stories about the Democrats supposedly killing Republicans. One has to do with a, uh, a sort of political disagreement that became a road rage incident. The other has to do with someone campaigning door to door against abortion rights. And in both cases, there was violence and crimes appear to have been committed, but they were not these political uh, uh, hunting events where a Democrat said, let me find a Republican to kill. They were completely distorted stories. And my thought is. By telling those stories, Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to prime Republicans to be willing to do violence themselves if indeed it comes to it. I think it's just a priming of the pump. And well, listen, Trump is no better. We've seen this over and over and over again. Right now, his ire is set against Mitch McConnell. Why? Because McConnell himself is a preservationist right he wants to he wants to save himself because he wants to remain speaker and he's not going to go down this dumpster fire of donald right into the fucking toilet bowl of stupidity and so what does donald do he uses words like death wish oh right right knowing that these sort of inflammatory words used against somebody who is a critic now of Donald or who is not a loyalist supporter, what do you think now happens? Now, now Mitch McConnell, like so many others, is constantly staring over his shoulder. Is there somebody that's going to jump out of the trees and take me out? Why? Because I'm no longer a Trump supporter, because Trump turned around and said, by Mitch McConnell doing what he's doing, he has a death wish. You think when I've told people that Trump speaks in code, this isn't part of the code? Oh, this is absolutely the code. And uh, there's also the I mean, I, I think it was in that same post where he referred to Mitch McConnell's wife as Coco Chow, which, oh, again, that's, is part that was of the next entire, thing I was going to bring up. You know, the 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 anti-Asian rhetoric that really ramped up during the pandemic, it's it's all part of the same package. Haven't we seen so much anti-Asian attacks? Haven't we seen it? What's going on? No different than anti-Semitism. It is on yep. the rise. And what does he then do? And I said it before. It's not just Donald. It's this whole inner sanctum, this this whole group of Trump supporters that are racist. 
you know? And how many books are out there right now that turn around and repeat the very first words I stated when I testified before the House um, Oversight Committee? Donald Trump is a racist, right? And everyone's like, ah, my God, shut up, Michael. Fuck you. It's a lie. He's a con man. I told you that one too, but no, no, Donald is on the up and up. He's worth at least 10 billion, right? I'm really rich, right? And they just keep falling for it. Uh, he's, he's just a fraud. But then people said to me, there were especially the Republicans yelling at me, you're just angry because he didn't take you to Washington. That's not what I even wanted. And it's so stupid. You know, and what he does is he builds up the lie and then they promote it. And then he builds it up even further. And then he, they promote it more, meaning Newsmax, OAN, Fox, etc. They just keep promoting it. And I'm telling you, Mitch McConnell, and I'm no fan of his, but at the same time, I don't want to see him executed. I don't want to see him sure. get hurt. He really needs to be careful because when Trump does this shit, right, when he does this, it becomes a real problem. And there are, as we've seen, enough crazies out there that are willing to storm the Capitol, to build a gallow, to hang Mike Pence, to look for Nancy Pelosi to kill her. So you think Mitch McConnell's any different than Nancy Pelosi in these, in this, you know, these supporters' eyes? Nope. I think it's basically the same thing. The rhino stuff has become almost as bad as talking about uh, communists or socialists or Marxists or whatever terms are applied to Democrats. And like I said before, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the Mar-a-Lago raid, there were a number of statements that Trump made about I don't think the 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 country will tolerate this and alluding to if you indict me, things are going to get very bad very quickly. And I, I believe it. I just there's no reason to doubt that that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. So it's hard to believe that, according to polls, that these races are even close. There's a whole there's a whole slew of them. For example, like Abbott versus Beto O'Rourke, right? Stacey Abrams versus Kemp. I mean, J.D. Vance is now ahead in his race. But do you think that the polls may be wrong? Something that you may remember I had said to Brianna Keeler, and by the way, I happen to have been right. I don't believe these polls. Many of them are skewed as that one was, which I knew to be accurate. But perhaps based on the number of new voters and women that will show up to vote regarding abortion rights or gun safety or any of the other things, do you think that the polls are accurate or do you think that, that they're going to be wrong? I, I hope that they are going to be wrong. I think the reality is that within a couple of points, polling has been pretty accurate for a long time. Now, because we have an electoral college system for the presidential race, the polls can be right within a couple points and still get the electoral results very wrong. And we we've experienced that before. But my hope is that the standard polling model is understating uh, enthusiasm from likely Democratic voters because of what happened with Roe v. Wade, maybe to some degree because of Republican inaction on gun safety. And yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that that Democrats overperform by a couple points relative to the polls. And that'll make the difference because so many of these races are. I mean, I just saw Warnock is now ahead of Walker by an average of about a point and a half. So if that, that basically means it's a it's a toss up. 
if there could be an extra two or three points there for Warnock, that's the difference maker in that race. So I think we're not going to know until the, the election actually happens. But I'm hopeful that that to some degree will take place. See, I have no confidence in the polls. And I'm going to tell really? you why. Zero. For most of the polls that I have seen going back to when Trump was first deciding to run and then all the way to the very, very end, what I find is the system that pollsters use, you don't even have to speak to the person on the telephone to get a plus or minus 3% accuracy on where the result is going to fall. So I'll give you an example, right? It doesn't take into account the fact that Biden was successful in decreasing student debt. It doesn't take into account all of the Gen Z um, students that are, for the most part, really pissed off with the GOP and the passing and the determination of the Roe uh, case and so on. What I think and what I know is that these pollsters use an old formula. It's a formula that predates technology. You ask me if I was a pollster, what I would do is I would have, I would buy lists of hundreds of millions of people. And let's say hypothetically in my area here in Manhattan, let's say that there's 800,000 people. I would want to get email, text numbers and so on and just blanket it and say, please respond, one Republican, two Democrat. And then you get a legitimate poll from a wide range of people. When they phone you, they already know that you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. They know how many times that you voted Republican or how many times that you voted Democrat or potentially independent. They, that's why I say that they already know the outcome before they even make the phone calls. If you're a lifelong Republican and I ask you, who are you going to vote in this specific case? You already know the answer. So I don't have any faith. Uh, in it, and they also don't reach the young generation. Um, they're not singling out women. They're not singling out people of color, for the most part, either, who are really sick and tired of the way the GOP wants to create a second class, make them into second class citizens. So I think when you have people of color, you have women, you have the young generation, if we could motivate them, you, David, me, Lincoln Project, Midas Touch, you know, um, the daily, you know, the daily uh, beads, all of these folks, you know, if we could motivate them to get out for these midterms, I don't think that these polls will be remotely accurate. I hope that's the case. I mean, historically, you know, 2020 said it was Biden plus five. It ended up being Biden plus seven. It's pretty close. 2016, the polling said it was Hillary plus three. It ended up being Hillary plus two popular vote, remember. And of course, the devil is in the details of the Electoral College. But I hope you're right. I'm with you in that. I hope the polls are dramatically understating Democratic support. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I believe that they are. So, look, election officials are confronting the new problem of something that I think was Steve Bannon who termed it precinct strategy and whether that they can trust their own poll workers now that some are being trained by the GOP to disrupt election results or use their position to somehow sow doubt in the 2022 midterms. Is this something that election officials are prepared for or 
Do you think that the country is ready for potential vote count bedlam, you know, even during midterms? I really hope that the fears about the bedlam you're talking about are overblown. But I worry that they are unfortunately very real. We've already seen, you know, even in Republican primaries, when the so-called rhino wins, you've got the MAGA Republicans saying it was rigged, it was fraud. It's like, wait a second. I thought it was Democrats who did the fraud. Well, no, it's Democrats and rhino Republicans that do the fraud. Ultimately, what it really means is if we don't win, there was fraud. That's the bottom line. And I'm worried about it for 22. But I'm really worried about it that some of the people who might win in 22 are then going to be in power in 24 and really have a shot at stealing some states. I mean, if Doug Mastriano wins in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania governor gets to select the secretary of state that oversees the elections. 24 Pennsylvania could 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 potentially be stolen based on whether Mastriano wins this November. Scary. I mean, this is really this is scary stuff. The fact that you have to even question whether or not your vote is being properly counted because you had some idiot making statements that Dominion voting machines, you know, if you voted for Trump, it shot a laser up into some satellite that shot back a response down and accounted every Trump vote for Biden. And so, I mean, again, there's no proof of this. In fact, it has been disproven. And, you know, good for them for bringing the lawsuit against Rudy Colludi, stupid Giuliani, and the rest of them. You know, uh, what, what's the other one? Uh, Sydney, the Kraken Powell, and the rest yep. of these fools that turn around. I mean, space lasers and, and uh, satellites <laughs> that change your vote and so on. It's all within which to sort of play on the fears of people right? Yeah. Who are, I hate to say it, most of them have something mentally wrong with them where they continue to promote this ridiculous notion on the, on the grounds that, oh, I heard it from Rudy. I heard it from Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, right? I've heard it from this one or that one. I've read it on the internet. I saw it on Truth Social. I mean, this is really very scary stuff. But David, if I can, let me just move on and ask you this then about the Supreme Court, because they're polling lower now than ever before. My opinion, rightfully so. And one good thing is that we now have Katanji Brown Jackson on the court. But other than, you know, other than that, there isn't much good, in my estimation, that's going on there. Do you think that they care at all about how the public perceives them? Because let's not forget, you know, they have their job for life. Or do you think that the conservative majority, you know, just keeps decimating our rights with no regard for public sentiment? I don't have any evidence that they really care about public sentiment one way or the other. Uh, this everything that has happened with the Supreme Court has been by design. Uh, the blocking of Merrick Garland as Barack Obama's nominee, then uh, Donald Trump uh, and Republicans understanding that there may be one, two or three choices that the president from 2017 to 2021 will be able to make um, the knowledge that if and when the Supreme Court becomes more conservative, they will try to get appeals up to that court in order to be able to overturn Roe v. Wade. I mean, everything that we predicted 
is exactly the way it happened. Sadly, there were some of my fellow leftists in 2016 saying Supreme Court. Oh, that's not a good enough reason for me to vote for Hillary. I don't care. I want to punish Democrats for putting Hillary up there who I don't like scary stuff. And it all went down exactly the way we imagined, exactly the way we knew they wanted it to go down. And I don't think they care at all about public perception at this point. Yeah, they, and they don't have to because, again, no. they have tenure. They are in their position for life. You know, it's something that I write about in I have a book that's coming out on the 11th, right, which is called yep. Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the United States Department of Justice Against His Critics. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is the fact I do not believe that federal court judges or the Supreme Court judges should have tenure for life. I just don't I don't know of another biz, an, another job that you have that regardless of your decision making, regardless of your behavior, you cannot be removed from office. I mean, you know, what I talk about in revenge is that it's a dissection of the most like in my case, the most corrupt investigation in the United States against the United States citizen in America's history. And what it does is for it demonstrates, and I use my case as the example, what happens when you have an autocratic, a fascist-minded president who elects to weaponize the Department of Justice to silence a critic. Now, more than about me, it's a call to action, really, the book, on two fronts, and it's why I believe everybody should read it. The first, it's the desperate need to overhaul the entire judicial system. Every day we see on television that there's another person who's exonerated, whether it's by DNA or by something else, that you learn the people, the prosecutor, the mayor, the judge, this, they were all in on it. They're, they're all in on the big scam. Why they needed to put this man away, like this guy who was away for 20 years. And he's been saying for 20 years, it wasn't him. Now, all of a sudden, how do you repay a man like that? How do you pay somebody like myself back who spent 13 months out of the 36 because of COVID, but then 51 days in solitary confinement when the entire case against me was a fucking lie orchestrated by Donald, right? And pushed by the DOJ. But secondly, and this is of equal importance, it's to hold accountability to those who violate their obligations, right? Be it the prosecutors, the judges, attorney generals, or even the president himself or herself. Because to do anything less than that, right, will result in the destruction of our democracy. And it's why I end my book with the following statement, that we must recognize Trumpism is fascism, and we must destroy it and erase it from our body politic. If we don't do this, we're really fucked, and there's no other way to describe it. Could not possibly put a, a more... more uh... Uh, important point on it than that. Uh, it, it is absolutely true. And sadly, the first step is 2022 elections just a few weeks from now. And that will be an inflection point one way or the other. I hope it's an inflection point in the right direction. Yeah, you and I both. I mean, when I was talking about the Supreme Court, I'm talking about, for example, like Clarence Thomas, right? This is a guy who should step down. And let me ask you this question then, because it's about his wife, Jeannie Thomas. She claims that she still believes that Trump won and that Biden yeah. stole the 2020 election. I mean, I just 
I, I get flabbergasted when I listen to this. And she's clearly not stupid. I don't know. Maybe she's on some sort of a hallucinogenic. But how true can that possibly be? Do you think she's doing it in order to um, stay relevant? Is she doing it in order to stay relevant with Donald and the support? I don't know. But further, how much responsibility should Thomas bear? And I'm talking about Clarence Thomas now for his wife's wrong assessment of the prior election and her cultish behavior and election tampering. And since there are no ethics checks for the Supreme Court, another thing that I have a problem with, who can hold the Thomases accountable? Yeah. So who can hold them accountable? It seems like it's Congress and it seems there's not really any interest, at least as far as Clarence Thomas is concerned in holding him accountable. Supreme Court justices are subject to impeachment, but so rare, so unlikely, not going to happen. In terms of Clarence Thomas, conservatively, okay, so if we want to say, forget about resignation, for just conservatively, he should be recusing himself from anything even remotely touching anything having to do with the 2020 election. It hasn't happened. It's a it's an absolute embarrassment. But that would be just like a bare minimum, absolute minimum. And I don't expect that we're going to see that. For God's sakes, I mean, in furtherance of your point, Clarence Thomas was the lone dissenter when it was about obtaining the January 6th documents. Why? Right. Because he was fearful that his wife was all over it. I mean, yeah, if this isn't grounds for impeachment, I don't know what our Congress is doing. I don't know why he hasn't been put before a hearing. I don't know whether it would be the Judiciary Committee. I don't even know who would be responsible for calling this man out, for making him accountable for his actions. And again, it creates the problem. The fact that he has this job for life and you can't take it from him. Right? Not without, you know, with, without Congress joining in on this. And I, it's, to, it's to me the worst. I mean, I, I hate it. I hate federal, you know, court judges who have tenure. Give them 10 years. Give them 15 years. I don't know. At least there's an end date. But you now have three individuals that were put on the bench by Donald all in their early 50s. I mean, we could potentially be looking, God forbid, at 40 plus years of them living and sitting on this bench, wreaking all sorts of fucking havoc on things that we have come to know as law, like Roe, like Obergefell. I mean, this is no joke because once they finish going after, you know, uh, same sex marriage, then they're going to go after interracial marriage. And the crazy thing is, I, I could see Clarence Thomas going along with that too. Maybe he wants to get rid of Jeannie, and that's the easiest way for him to do it. I have no idea. But all I know is this isn't America. This is America 100 years ago when we had a lot of growing up to do. It's truly sad what's happening. And for me, honestly, the saddest part for me continues to be not that there are bad actors willing to do this stuff, but that there's conservatively tens of millions of people not only willing to let them do it, but to reelect them and let them do it again. That's really the scariest part for me. And with that, David, I want to thank you for joining us on Mea Culpa. Uh, what, lastly, before I let you go, what are you doing these days? Just hosting my show. It's we, we things have been uh, they, they, we 
it's a more than a full-time job. Yeah. Hosting the show, 150 radio and TV stations. We've got almost a million and a half YouTube subscribers. Um, it's, it's all, uh, it's tying up uh, all of my time. And what's the name of the show? Tell my listeners, maybe they want to listen to it. The David Pakman show. Yeah. Find it. DavidPakman.com. P-A-K-M-A-N. All of my stuff is there. David, I wish you the best. I will speak to you very soon. If you ever need me for anything, you know where to find me. And now for today's mea culpa. I'm so fucking sick of gun violence, but I guess what the NRA wants, the NRA gets. This week, a 15-year-old committed the 532nd mass shooting in the United States this year. Folks, I gotta repeat that. A fucking 15-year-old committed the 532nd mass shooting in the United States this year. Now, just for perspective, the United States has about 20,000 gun murders per year. The United Kingdom, 30. The United States population, though, is five times larger, but the number of gun murders is roughly 650 times higher. Now, doesn't that make you feel safe? And as fate would have it, this week's mass shooting was in Rolling, North Carolina, in the same district where Ted Budd, the Republican running for Congress, owns a fancy gun shop worth over a million dollars. Now, he's naturally against any common sense gun laws, and he's backed by the gun lobby. So, hey, if you're from North Carolina, those facts alone should encourage you to vote for Democrat Sherry Beasley. And not Jagoff Trump-endorsed Bud, but also Beasley killed on the debate stage. Quick and deadly answers and quips that shot Ted Bud down. Now, I've talked about this race before. They are neck and neck, but Beasley is head and shoulders over the competition. Well, let's then move now on to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is just one of those unique states where they care as much about football, I mean, go packs go, as they do about the arts. The architect, Frank Lloyd Wright, had his school and studio in Spring Green. Madison is one of the best college towns in the country. And Milwaukee? It's home to legendary beer gardens and Mandela Barnes. At just 36 years of age, Barnes is currently the country's youngest lieutenant governor, and he's the state's first African-American to hold the office. He has been a state representative since 2013. And Barnes is said to be one of those once-in-a-generation politicians who, like Barack Obama, comes with the whole package. It was Obama's keynote speech at the 2004 Democratic National Convention that inspired Barnes to rethink his post-college career path and get into politics. His name, Mandela, was given in honor of Nelson Mandela. I mean, those are certainly big shoes to fill, but Barnes, a progressive, is politically aligned with Mandela in his consistent support for working families, for small businesses, and education. These issues are his passion. As the running mate of Tony Evers, the duo won the 2018 election, narrowly defeating incumbent and one of the worst fucking governors in recent memory, Republican Scott Walker. And now Barnes is running against one of the worst senators in recent memory, Ron Johnson, a dim-witted motherfucking Q-tip who is gunning for your social security and has these grandiose plans to take over the Republican Party. He was caught trying to pass a note to Vice President Pence on the 6th like some fucking little schoolgirl. 
But of course, he denies it. And why? Because he is constantly a lying piece of shit. This much can be said about Johnson. If he wasn't in politics, he'd be selling your granny some worthless insurance policy or picketing abortion clinics. He's that guy, folks, exactly who I'm referring to. He is that guy. There really should be no competition between Barnes and Johnson. Barnes is easily a better person and political than Johnson. He will be better for Wisconsin than Johnson. But Wisconsin can be tricky. They've got a MAGA streak that flares up every now and then, and then the fucks things up for everybody. So Wisconsin can go either way. But I'm really hoping that they don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime generational opportunity to be represented in the Senate by Mandela Barnes. He's the future. And folks, the future is now. And thanks for listening. Mayor Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth. This is 